As our brother just read 1 Corinthians 14.33, that God is not the author of confusion. Has anyone ever asked you and approached you in a conversation that says, what church do you go to? And, and just out of habit, we will likely say, I go to Bobby Branch Church of Christ. And in return, we will ask them, where do you go to church? And most cases, and where I've been, they will say, I've been to this congregation. I've been to the Presbyterian Church. I've been to Church of God. I've been to these all these denominational names. And in return, when we just leave it like that, we have equalized the Lord's Church with the denomination. We did not intend to do that, but by us not informing them that we worship the one and true church that we found, that you can read about in the Bible, that Christ died for, in their minds, they could possibly be thinking that where they worship is the same as what's in the Bible. This morning, I'm going to ask a series of questions. Is one as good as another? And we're going to look at a few examples from the Old Testament, and we're going to look at a few examples as to why one is not as good as another. If you will, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read verse 18. On Sunday evenings, Tony has been teaching from the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and he has brought out on every lesson thus far that to fear God and to keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And this morning, that's what I want us to remember, that we are to fear God and keep His commandments. Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In biblical times and even in ancient times, when uh, at the gates you would have soldiers at the gates. They were positioned at the gates. Just like military today, there's always people present at the gate of entry. Why do they do this? Protection. They are there to not allow those that are not allowed in to enter. And just like here, we read that Hell shall not prevail against it. Now I want to look at this verse for a few moments and notice a few things. Notice that it's a rock. It's not a pebble. It's something that is huge. It would be a solid foundation. Then when we look at the word rock, you can go to Psalm chapter 62. It says, He only is my rock. My defense. It's referring to Christ. I shall not be moved. The Lord's church will not be moved. You could go to Ephesians chapter 2 if you will. We're going to read verse 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. Now when I think about the chief cornerstone, I think about when you're building a house or a building, there's that first point, that first place that you start. If anything is wrong with that, that point of start, everything else is going to be off. Christ is the cornerstone. He's the head of the church. He is where we begin and everything else works off of Him. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 12.
verse 28. Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I appreciate Brother Maynard's prayer just a few moments ago when he said, let us put all worldly thoughts behind us. Too many times we walk in this building and we sit down to worship God and we're thinking of worldly thoughts. We are not worshiping God in spirit and truth as John 4.24 says if we're not focused on the Word of God. Hebrews 12.28 says, Receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. The kingdom of the Lord's church will not and cannot be moved. Let's notice that the word church is singular here in Matthew chapter 16. This indicates that there's only one. There's not a multiplicity of churches that the Lord has died for. Acts 2 and verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. He adds you to the Lord's church when you obey the word of God. A lot of the the religious organizations in our world are man-made additions. They are either they do some things of the Bible and they add to or they take away and they add or they don't do everything. Also in the religious world, people will add you to their church if they see fit that you belong to their belief system. If you will, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read verse 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Notice again, singular, the word church. Ephesians 3 is talking about that the church has been in the mind of God forever. It was His eternal purpose to build the Lord's church. And it's to be made known by the church. Therefore, as the church, the, those that have, been, have obeyed the gospel, we must make known those things that the New Testament tells to other people so we can continue on teaching about Christ. And then go back to Acts chapter 20. We're going to read verse 28. So in your mind, as we're going through this lesson, just let's continue to remember, is one as good as another? Acts 20 and verse 28. Take heed thereunto yourselves and unto the flock over that which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Man-made religion was not purchased with the blood of Christ. It was maybe purchased with money, it may be have given to them by being passed down the line, so to speak, but it was not purchased with Christ's blood. Now let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read verse 15. <clears throat> but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. We have the word of God so that we know what to do and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. 
the pillar, what do pillars do in buildings? And they support things. So the pillar of truth, it supports the truth. Then you look at the ground of truth. This could be referring to the foundation, which we noticed earlier was a large foundation, a solid foundation. And the truth is, the, is referring to the revealed word of God, which we have now as the New Testament. So I want to ask a series of questions, and we can go to Matthew chapter 7 while we're, while we're talking. We're going to look at, is one house as good as another? Now I know you may be thinking this is kind of silly, but you could ask the kids, and the kids could tell you, is one house as good as another by the song that they sing. And we're going to look at the scripture that they get this song from. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these, these sayings of mine... And doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. The only difference between these two houses is, is the foundation on which it was built. This morning, is your foundation built on a solid foundation? Is it your faith? Is it what you believe when you read the Scripture? Or is your faith through someone else? At a rub a few weekends ago, Lonnie Jones mentioned that too many people's faith has someone in between, meaning that their faith is in the youth minister and if he does something wrong, then, then we're going to back up. They, they put too much stock into somebody else and a lot of times the people have the faith of their parents. They'll have the faith of, of the elders or the deacons. We must have our own faith. It must be ours and no one else's. So one house is not as good as another. If you will, let's go to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to read verses 13 through 16 of Genesis chapter 6. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God tells him to make an ark of gopher wood. And he goes through verses 14 through 17 and gives the description. He's basically a giving a blueprint of how the ark should be built. Now, if Noah decided to build an ark any other way, would it have been approved by God? No. So one ark is not as good as another because God was in the ark when he said, come into the ark. And that's when Noah and his family were saved. They were not saved just by simply building the ark. They were saved by obeying God's word and following through. Now let's just turn over to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to read 7 through 13. Now this is referring to the 10th plague. Exodus 12, 7 through 13. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the house 
wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh that in the night roast the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs that they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sawed in all the water, but roast with the fire and the head with the legs and with the pure purchase thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that, they were, that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat of it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. You shall eat and haste it in the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. It told them to put blood on each side of the door and across the top. Now, if the people would not have done that, would they have been saved? Would the firstborn not have died? He says, I will pass over you if you do as I've commanded you and put the blood on each side of the door and across the top. So you could not have been in a house without blood and it'd be the same as a house with blood. So the, the whole reason I'm trying to go through this is that the main focus is do as God says and you will you will be rewarded. Now let's turn to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2 and verses 12 through 21 is referring to the two spies that have came into Rahab's house and And they say, if you do these things, you will survive. It says you must put the thread or the scarlet thread in the window that we went out of. You must put your family and your your friends into this house. If they were to do this in someone else's house, it would not have been the same. They would not have been saved. They would have been killed. Over and over we've looked at this morning thus far, if you do the things which God tells us to do, you will be saved. If you do not follow God's instructions to the T, then you will not. So one house was not a good when it was referring to Rahab when she, she had to put the scarlet in the right house and the right window. And if she did not do that, she would have died. So we looked at Noah, and if he would have built the ark his way, then he would not have been saved. We looked at the house with the blood on the doorpost and above the... If they would have not have done it the correct way, then they would have... The firstborn would have died. Rahab, if she would have been in her neighbor's house and put the the scarlet thread in another window, she would not have been saved. We must obey God's word and follow God's word in order to be saved. There is some things that we can do as Christians that God has not given us an explicit example, such as uh, teaching people the gospel. We know we can teach them the gospel. We have to teach them the gospel, but how we do it is up to us. You can use social media. You can do door-to-door. However you see fit that best suits you is how you can do that. And there's a few others that you could do as well. A few years ago, it was at Christmas, I was standing at my grandmother's house, and my uncle, which was at the time the most religious man in our family, and he turned to me after he heard that I would obey the gospel and was added to the Lord's church. He said, do you have to be a member of the Lord's church to go to heaven? And uh, at the time, I'd only been baptized just for a few months. And I said, yeah. What a loaded question that is. And I wish I would have the opportunity to go back and discuss these things with him. But when we give an answer, I know that there's probably a lot of people that's heard this question. 
If you will, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So if Christ is the Savior of the body, Christ is never said to be the Savior of any religious body. It's only one. And sad to say that just because the church sign says Church of Christ does not mean that they're doing what is according to the Word of God. If you were to do a poll and ask each religious group in the world today what their beliefs are and what their system of faith is, you're going to get a multiplicity of answers. But let's look at Ephesians 4. We're going to read 4 through 6. There is one body, one spirit, even as you call it, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, one Father, of all who is above all and through you all. Again, we're only seeing one. The Bible is clear. It's easy to understand if you just take the time to read. Could you imagine if God had all of these different examples on how to become a Christian? Which one would you follow? If He, had, if he gave you ten, He said, here's, here's ten of them you choose, and which one you want you like you do. There would be mass confusion throughout Christianity. And as our brother read a while ago, 1 Corinthians 14.33, for God is not the author of confusion. We have the simplicity plan of salvation laid out for us. We are the ones that must choose to obey it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. As Christians, we are in one body. There's not, a, there's not several bodies. There's, just on, there's only one. And if you go up to 1 Corinthians 12, 20. But now there are many members, but yet one body. I was listening to a sermon just this week, and it's what really sparked the interest for this, this sermon and he said too many Christians in the, in the world today want to be the pretty blue-eyed, blonde hair image. Meaning, And what he was meaning by that is they want to be the ones that gain all the attention everyone looks to when, when it comes to Christianity. They want to be the one that is, everybody knows and everybody calls to speak on their lectureship. And he goes on to say this. He said, why don't you try being a, an ankle or a knee or a hip when you stand up in a few minutes to sing the song of invitation?" Try standing up without your foot, your ankle, your hip, and any other the muscles and whatever else is in our body. We have to be together. Too many people, sadly, of the Lord's church are trying to seek fame, and especially preachers, among the brethren. We are told to preach the word, and that's it. We're not told to seek fame and fortune. We must be worried about what member we are, and sadly, some of us, like myself, we're maybe just a foot or a toe. And some others may, sure, they may have the great uh, ability to speak in front of great crowds and, and keep your attention the entire time. 
That's fantastic, but use it to God's glory and not for yourself. We've looked at is one body as good as another, and we, and we know that it's not. It must be in the body of the Lord and Savior. We have to be in His church, which is the body, in order to go to heaven. Jesus is the Savior of the body, and Jesus is the body of the Lord's church. And if you're not, if you're not inside that body, you're not saved. Matthew fifteen thirteen says, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. God will take care of it when it's time. You could go to John 15, verses 1 through 10, where it talks about being attached to the true vine. And if you're not attached to that vine and you're not producing fruit, then you will be cut off and cast into the fire. What do you think that's referencing? God will purge the ones out that are not obeying His word. Acts 20 and 27. Some people will not like what you say when you show them the error according to the Bible. In Matthew 15, 12. Then came His disciples and said unto Him, Know that thou are the Pharisees were offended well, we know we live in a world where everybody's offended by anything and everything. John six sixty. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Jesus taught and was not worried about if it offended anyone. He taught the truth. Let's read Acts 20 and verse 27. This is our job as Christians. For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole or the unto you all of the counsel of God. We cannot just tell people what they want to hear. We have to tell them the entire truth. And if you keep going down in John six sixty six, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Christ preached sermons that impacted people's lives and to the point where they either made a choice to follow him or to turn and not to walk with Him again. And if you look one verse down, John six sixty seven, Jesus asked the disciples, His apostles, will you also go away? Christ asked the apostles if they were going to leave because of what He said. Sometimes the preachers of the Lord's church have to preach things that you might not like to hear because they want your soul to be in the right place. Isaiah 30 verse 10 nails down what I'm about to illustrate. You can get on TV and you can hear some of these preachers that they sound great, they, they make you feel good, and they tell you to send in money, and you send the money because what they say tickles your ear. Isaiah 30 and verse 10, which say to the seers, See not unto the prophets, prophesy not unto us the right things, but the smooth things. Why did Christ preach a hard sermon? Because He loved you, and He loved them, and He wanted them to change of their ways. It had nothing to do other than that. We have to have the courage to tell our family, our friends, our neighbors, and co-workers the truth. As Christians, we're called out. We are to be different. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We are to be different. We have to live in this world absolutely. But Proverbs 11, or 115 says, Walk not in thy way, refrain from thy footsteps. Do not follow the world. Walk not in their footsteps. 
Galatians 3, 27 and 28. For many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ in baptism. There is neither Jew or Greek, neither male or female, neither bond nor free. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. God loves you. If you have not made the decision to obey His Word, you're in a dangerous situation. Just like Jake got the call that his grandpa was a few days left to live, you might not get that phone call. You might not be have the privilege of receiving a thing saying, hey, you only got a few more days to live. We must live every day as if we were going to die that day. You, you never know what can happen. If you continue to choose to not obey God's Word, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, 9, and Revelation 20, 14 and 15 tells you that fire will you will be consumed by fire for eternity. I don't know about you, but you can't take a lighter and light it and hold your hand over it for just more than a few seconds because it hurts. Imagine spending eternity in fire. I'm not trying to scare you into the baptism or into the watery baptism. That's for the wrong reason. I just want you to know that there are consequences for your choices. This morning, if you are not a Christian, not a child of God, not obeyed the Lord's uh, plan of salvation, we're here to help you and assist you in that in any way that we, that we can. Maybe you are a Christian and you're, maybe you're scared or afraid of some things and you need help or, or you're suffering. We're here for you. If there's anything that we can do to encourage you in your walk, we ask that you come as we stand and sing.